0: So we're going to be on Esther lesson two today. Let's go ahead and read through chapter one again. And we're going to go through it. We'll see if we can pull some out. So I'm going to just tell you right off the bat, there's a lot about Esther. I have no idea. Okay. If you got, if you got to be sitting underneath a teacher that has everything figured out. It is not me with Esther. Okay. Now, when we went through the book of Ruth, I was very confident and pretty well having a really great, good grab on it. And yet, at the same time, I was asking myself this week, so why did I pick Esther? And I think Esther, again, is one of these books like, like Ruth that is pregnant with all kinds of meaning for the times that we live in. And even though we're not going to nail it all down, if we can just pick out a few things here and there, I think it will help us. Okay, So the book of Esther, chapter 1. Now it came to pass in the days of Ahasuerus, and this is the Ahasuerus which reigned from India, even to Ethiopia, over a 107 and 20 providences. That in those days, now again, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Anytime we see those days in there, It's a reference, just kind of like what we saw back in the book of Jude. Uh, but, But when you really think about it, the whole thrust of the Old Testament is really pushing towards that day. So I don't know if we're going to ever get out of a book that doesn't talk about that day. Okay? It says that in those days, when King Ahasuerus sat on the throne of his kingdom, which was in Shushan the palace, in the third year of his reign, he made a feast unto all his present princes and his servants, the power of Persia and Media, the nobles and the princes of the provinces being before him, when he showed the riches of his glorious kingdom and the honor of his excellent majesty many days, even a hundred, and four score days. And when these days were expired, the king made a feast unto all the people that were pres- present in Shushan the palace, both unto great and small, 7 days in the court of the garden of the king's palace, where were white, green, and blue hangings fastened with cords of fine linen and purple to silver rings, and pillars of marble. The beds were of gold and silver upon a pavement of red and blue and white and black marble. And they gave them drink and vessels of gold, the vessels being diverse one from another, and royal wine in abundance according to the state of the king. Now, whoever writes this, which we believe is Azra, man, he's writing details. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's writing details. It's kind of like we're you know, on HGTV or something, and you're like, I don't know about, my wife likes to watch all this stuff. We don't get HGTV anymore, but she likes to watch people on YouTube that puts things together. And, you know, this is, this is you know, how we're going to, this is the color of the chargers. This is that, you know, and and just likes to see the details of all that. And yet that's what's taking place here. And in the back of my mind when I'm going through this, is the statement that God wastes no space in His book? Mm-hmm. Now, I had a teacher, pastor, professor teach me that that statement, and I've never forgot it. That's probably one of my best things I've held on to. It's funny the things you hold on to listening to people, but it's like God wastes no space. There's a reason why it's here, mm-hmm. and here's the wild thing: there's a lot. Most people can't. And I'll, I'll be one. There's a lot of stuff here that I don't understand why it's all there.
1: Yeah, right. Or like when you read through the genealogies in many books of the Bible, you think, why, 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 why? You, I just sort of skim through them. I don't pay attention, you know, right. to try to cover the way it goes. But to God, it's important. Like you said, I mean, why would he
2: have it there if it weren't important?
0: It's important. It and if it's important and if it's important to god it should be important to us for
2: somebody else to see it see something you know that we don't see through those words right it doesn't mean nothing to me
0: i am believing that once we get to heaven we're going to realize ah now i understand this and now i see why why didn't i see this before It's going to be one of those type moments. So, again, keep that in the back of your head. Verse 8, And the drinking was according to the law. None did compel. For the king had appointed to all the officers of his house that they should do according to every man's pleasure. Let me stop again. Almost every commentator you'll read on this will say this was a drunken orgy that was going on here. But that's not what I read. He doesn't say it. It's it says that they were compelled to drink what they believed, but yet I think it's also according to the law. Okay, uh, so we need to keep that in the back of our head. Verse nine says, and also Vashti the queen made a feast for the women in the royal house which belonged to King Ahasuerus. And on the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded me, um, me, human, Biztha, Harbana, Bigtha, Abagtha, Zethar, and Carcass, the seven chamberlains that served in the presence of Ahasuerus the king. Now, I'm going to assume that these are probably eunuchs, like Daniel was, okay? So we're a few years behind Daniel because we know that that Daniel was carried away to Babylon and yet here the Medes and the Persians have taken over from Babylon the city has changed they've switched back to, to the city here and yet but you see the same uh, basically scenario before that before the palace before the king and so uh, these chamberlains i'm assuming are um, um eunuchs that served in the presence of Ahasuerus the king, to bring Vashti the queen before the king with the crown royal to show the people and the princes her beauty, for she was fair to look on. But the queen Vashti refused to come at the king's commandment by his chamberlains. Therefore the king was very wroth, and his anger burned in him. Then the king said to the wise men, which knew the times... We're going to go back and look at that today. For so was the king's manner toward all that knew law and judgment. And next unto him was, and then we have a list of guys, Karshina, Shethar, Admetha, Tarshish, Maris, Mersina and Memucan, the seven princes of Persia and Media, which saw the king's face and which sat the first in the kingdom now this these guys here it's a different group of seven and again I'm thinking why seven
2: mm-hmm.
0: why seven chamber why seven eunuchs why seven princes here basically and these princes are guys that ruled not just necessarily under the king but with the king mm-hmm. so you know I, we would call them like governors you know there'd be somebody that was actually the 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 Babylon nation was or or Med nation was so so large that it took quite an undertaking to 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 rule this so we had seven of these guys okay and what's interesting is he, he, verse 15, the king goes, What shall we do unto Queen Vashti according to the law, because she hath not performed the commandment of the king, Ahasuerus, by the chamberlains? Now again, in my com- I, I try to read everything I can on, on books when I'm studying through them and see what commentators say. And I really like commentators that when you're, you're to a certain verse... It's like this verse is driving me nuts. I cannot figure this out. So I'm going to see what the experts have to say about this. So you pull the commentator out and you're looking through it. They get right to that verse and guess what they do almost 95% of the time? They skip over skip it. Over it. Yeah, I've
2: been and I'm
0: like, these guys are not any smarter than I am. I mean, I mean, what's the deal here? Okay. And so uh the deal is a lot of them talk about this king Xerxes is a very irrational king that he does things that that are just spare the moment and you know he just rules his kingdom with a fist of iron and yet in this circumstance he asks the seven princes what should we do with Fasti. So I don't see that again. I see a rational king asking for advice from the men underneath him okay of course we know the story they say you know get rid of can the queen and get a new one you know basically uh that you know easier said for them than us you know, I wouldn't want, I would not go there anyway, but here's, here's the deal. So that's kind of the story. We know that. So I want to just kind of go back and look at that a little bit today on our handout. So I want to just point out some things that we need again for your study, for your thinking, and for you just to put in the back of your mind, your brain that maybe won't get answered. You know, going through the study, but you've got them locked in there somewhere that somewhere down the road maybe the Lord will show you if not during our study. First of all, I want to point out is the feast. And we talked about, that. I think Sharon, you mentioned that there's two feasts. Two weeks ago we were talking about this. There's two feasts. One was for the kingdom. It took, it was a six month long feast. Now that was, that was basically for, for the king to show off his kingdom to the people around. And when you go back and look at history, you'll find out that a a lot of this was for the king basically recruiting people because he's going to be at war with Greece. And uh, so he's having this big feast campaign to pull everything together to show everybody how great their kingdom is. And basically in the back of his mind, he's like, I'm wanting to get people ready to fight when I want them to fight. Okay. So that's what that first, uh, the feast was that took place for six months. And then the second one was for the palace. And the palace was for seven days. And again, I'm going to throw all these numbers out and you learn the Bible by comparing Scripture with Scripture. So when you start looking at sevens, so you start looking at numbers, and you start looking at years. And so you've got to keep them in, the, in your mind when you're studying through this. So this palace was for seven days in the court of the garden. And so we're going to look at the furnishings here. Now, when we go back and look at this feast in the garden... It's really a picture of a wedding feast in the Bible. It doesn't really come out and say that, but when you start looking at uh, uh, the Song of Solomon, when you start looking at the wedding feast that you see takes place in the book of Revelation, you'll start seeing some of the same things come out. Number one, seven days, again, is another reference Seven days in the court of the garden. And so it, this, this picture that we see here of this feast is in a garden. And it's a picture of a wedding feast, okay. And so that's why the furnishings, number one, we have white, green, and blue hangings. And the fasteners were cords of fine linen, purple, to silver rings attached to pillars of marble. And you're like, okay, what's the big deal? Again, describing the, 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 not just the feast, but everything about the feast. And so when, when we, we are looking forward to the wedding feast of, of the lamb, which we will be a part of, You know, we're going to be, I don't know if we're going to be the ones that make the details up, but we're going to see the details. So it's the bride that usually likes the details, right? They want things a certain way. They want, they want all the things that they want done. They want the color scheme that they want. And yet all of this is playing into that. So you have white, green, blue hangings with fasteners with cords of you know, twine? No, it doesn't say twine there, does it? It says fine linen. Again, and fine... Purple was
2: known as... Purple was known as,
0: expensive. as royalty, wasn't it? And then, but fasteners of cords of fine linen. So, the Bible talks about, you know, at the marriage feast there will be people in fine linen. So again, the things where you see here, you'll see at other places if we're paying attention. To silver rings attached to pillars of marble. So let me tell you what the white, green and blue hangings mean. I have no idea. <laughs> okay? I
2: was getting ready to write. <laughs> So was I. Oh,
1: nice okay. I wish I knew. Okay, we know the color of white is like for purity. Okay. And uh, green I have no idea. Growth, what would
0: it be? Green would be something living. When you go back and look, th- I looked through that again this morning. I was looking at green and everything talks about in the Bible. There's only about one place that talks about green. One of them is here. One of them is in Song of Solomon where their bed is green. In the book of Song of Solomon. And that's wild because it's like outside of that, it's always a green tree, mm-hmm. green grass, something mm-hmm. growing, something living, growing. And yet here in a few places we see green pop up. And it's very rare that we see green mm-hmm. pop up outside of a, a natural color. And so, again, I do not know...
1: Sinless because we're we're white as snow with you know
0: after being washed with the blood
1: of the lamb right so it's our being now sinless
0: and and so that would fit now blue I don't know what blue is I think you can find blue in heaven when you go back and look at some of the characteristics that heaven has so blue in the tabernacle? yes and you'll find it there too. You you, you named another spot. So, uh, in in the tabernacle, in the temple, um, in the wedding feast, you'll see these colors seem to come around. Okay, and again, it's they're kind of it's kind of guilty by association. You look at other things in the Bible. uh, Same thing with gold and silver. Now that's a lot easier. come up with in the Bible, uh, the furnishings, because you'll see some of these furnishings, you know, the beds were of gold and silver, and the beds here in the passage is not, you know, I would call it more like a day bed, that's what, that would be what, you know, the couch, that would be what people would be sitting in, are these beds, and they were of gold and silver, and so you can go back and look at gold and silver, and you'll find both of them It the judgment seat of Christ, you'll find both of them at the marriage supper of the Lamb also. So again, you'll see the same things pop up over and over. And then it talks about the flooring was of... Now, I'm a flooring guy, so I'm paying attention to this. The flooring was of red, blue, white, and black marble. And again, I have no idea why these colors. My
1: mind is checkered. You know, we use those colors are checkered
0: yeah it's it's uh Makes
1: sense.
0: and and what combinations we don't know, so again, I don't know. Now the drinking vessels, the one thing it does say they are of gold, okay? Again, no shock there. That's pretty standard. but then it says number two, it says they're all diverse, one from another. But you know what? In the Bible, in the New Testament, Christians are likened to vessels. And we're all diverse one from another. Yeah. And so I find that very interesting. Um, so if you want to take, in fact, let's go there. Turn over to Romans chapter 9 and verse 23.
2: It's a little strange because normally you have a setup of you know, six or eight or something. Like
0: everything would want to be the same, you know, to look the same. So that's kind of strange that they were they were different. They were all like, diverse. I keep thinking of of uh, um, Belshazzar. What did that, was it? Belshazzar? Which one was it that he saw the writing on the wall? That's Belshazzar, right? And uh, they were all they pulled up the cups from the from the Jewish temple. And they're all drinking out of those gold cups when all that happens. Mm -hmm. And so were they diverse from one from another? I I don't know. But it's interesting that it's mentioned specifically that they are diverse one from another. So Romans chapter 9 and verse 23 tells us, And that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had afore prepared unto glory, even us whom he hath called not of the Jews only, but also the Gentiles. So again, a reference of us being vessels. So turn over to 2 Corinthians. We'll see if we can keep moving with this same theme here. 2 Corinthians 4.7 It says, But we had this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Again, a connection with us being the, the vessels. And then I have one more place to look at, and that's in Second Timothy. Second Timothy chapter two and verse twenty. 2 Timothy 2.20 tells us, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood, of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Okay, so again, in the New Testament, we are likened into vessels, okay? And so, uh, I just kind of threw that in there. The drinking vessels were of gold. They're all diverse from one another. And the drinking was according to law, okay? So on page two I have two lists here. We'll go back and and again Y two list, Y sevens. Um uh, not sure. The seven chamberlains to the king is very interesting. I tried to study these men out. Uh, and I can't find the meaning of their names anywhere. Now one part of that is the book of Esther was written in Persian. So maybe that has something to do with it. But I cannot find, whenever I look any anything up, I'm looking at the, these names and nothing pops up except they were a chamberlain for King Ahasuerus in, in the book of Esther. So, I don't know what their name means. All I know is their eunuchs. I know their servants. There's no genealogy. There's no information about them other than their name. All I know is they are listed. So there's a reason why they're listed, okay? And then I want to look at the seven wise men of the king. So I will, I did look these up and so I will give you a little bit of information on these. Now again, these are royal dignities that serve with the king and apparently they have some pull with the king because he asked them what to do about Vashti. He goes. What do you guys suggest we do here? And so I'm thinking that's that's uh, pretty pretty noble of him um, for doing that. But anyway, so let me give the first guy's name is Karshina. His name means slender. 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 I guess we would call him Slim. <laughs> uh, for what 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 you get out of that? And then the Shethar, the name Shethar means star in the Persian language. Which is very interesting because we'll see that same word come up again in a little bit. Admetha means God-given. And then interesting, here we have a Gentile king who has a guy that's underneath him whose name means God-given. Now, maybe that isn't talking about the God of heaven, I don't know. It could be uh, some other God, I don't know. But that's what his name means, God-given. And then we have the the man Tarshish. His name means hard. 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 hard.
1: So,
0: uh, Joe, yeah, so his name means hard. But, you know, that word hard just may mean... Uh, no nonsense fair minded you know that's how I would consider that i I had one one of the churches I went to I was kind of head over to the deacons, and the pastor asked me so how do you how do you sum up your deacons and i go well, i said i've got I've got two deacons that are kind of hard, and I got two that are just kind of middle of the road, and I got two that are just as soft as a marshmallow. And he kind of probably looked at me like, what in the world are you talking about? I'm like, well, I got two guys that are just, just, you know, no nonsense. You know, this is the way it goes. And two guys that are pretty average and two guys that are just all over the place. But, uh, that's how I described it. So, for what that's worth.
1: Which ones did you prefer to have? I mean, which ones? You, you kind
0: of need a combination. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, you, you got some guys that are real soft-hearted. Which you need, but you need some guys that are, are real. When you're dealing with the finances of the church and maybe, and you're dealing with benevolence and you're dealing with things, and I'll give you an example. Uh, one of them was like, well, we have a hole in the parking lot out here, so we really need to pull some money out of benevolence and go out here and patch the parking lot. We're renting a building. There's a hole in the parking lot. It's their responsibility. we're not going to pull money out of benevolence to go patch the parking lot when we are renting that space we were renting a school at the time, so that was an example of a what I call the soft guy because well, this needs to be done, we need it you know no, no no let's you know let's focus our money where it needs to go, and then you've got some that's like, okay, well, you know this person meets all the requirements. Uh, let's, let's, let's help this person out. There's always things that go through with the church all the time. People always wanting money. They're wanting this. They're wanting that. And you kind of have to weigh everything out. So some people are, are pretty, pretty loose. And some people are really tight. <laughs> okay. I tend to be the tight person. <laughs> Even in this church, you look at me like... You really need, like you said before, the, you really need all you, you need a combination because you need that, you know. And, and that's what this king had. He had guys under him. And he, and, and when you're a leader, you need to... You, you don't need to usurp your authority all the time. You need to use those people under you to help you with, with leading. Our pastor Brian did an excellent job with that, you know. He he's got more patience than I than I could ever shake a stick at. Our Pastor Brian is an amazing guy. And I'm like I'm I'm probably the hard guy in the group. And uh, but no, it just it works together. Okay, so hard. Uh, the next guy, Maris, his name means worthy. What? Worthy? In fact, the, the same name, or the next name, Marcina, also is from the same root word, which means worthy. So he has two men on here that their name means worthy. And then you got this guy, Memukin, the very last one, the one that opens up his mouth and tells the king what to do with the queen. I have no idea what his name means. I could not find that anywhere. It's not listed anywhere, but yet he's, he must be a spokesman for these guys. So, uh, let me give you a couple more names. Esther. Esther is it the Persian name. And what do you think it means? It means star. I was going to say that. Kind of like the man Shethar. His name means star also. And so, Esther in, in Persian means star. And can anybody tell me what Esther's name was in, in, uh, in Jewish. Her Jewish name. It's a cool name. It's Hadassah. Hadassah is Esther's Jewish name and it means myrtle. M-M-Y-R-T-L-E. So I'm thinking like the myrtle tree. The myrtle tree. In fact, in, in Bible, I'm looking through it with my concordance. And I'm trying to find other places of myrtle that's always connected to a myrtle tree. Okay. Now, I'm thinking, since I'm such a great gardener, I'm, I, and for a guy, I do know a lot of plants. So, uh, and, and so do maybe some of the rest of you too. Rex is a gardener. He knows probably his flowers and all kinds of things. But a, a crepe myrtle. Anybody know, know what a crepe myrtle looks like? Okay, Mark, are you a are you a plant guy?
2: Not completely, no. But I think that's the one that uh, leaped at, uh what do you call it, umbrellas over and has the uh, purple.
0: Yeah, it's different colored flowers. Yeah. And some of them are more of a bush. And some of them, when you go south, it's more of a tree. Yeah. So if you go to South Carolina, uh, when I went to South Carolina to meet David once, uh, was it South or North Carolina? I don't know. But they had a huge tree in the front yard. It was a myrtle tree. And so they just grow crazy down south. I think here they don't. Does anybody here in town have a crepe myrtle that you know of?
1: I I think I know somebody that has one over in Greenwood. Okay. If it's the same tree that I'm
0: thinking of. Is it, is it more of a is it a big tree? It, it's, a big tree. It, it, it's a tree. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it's two different varieties. one's a, more of a bush and one's a tree, or it just starts out and then it, and it forms into the tree. But like if you, go, if you go to Branson, you'll start seeing a lot of crepe myrtles there, or, or Springfield or some places a little bit farther south. And, but they're a beautiful tree. You know I, I thought about, man, we need to plant some of these up here, and I'm like, I don't know if they'll take the weather uh Most weathers they most winters with us they'd probably take, but if we got a nasty winter, might not take it so myrtle it's 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 a tree, so that's what that means so uh so I'm sitting here thinking through some of this stuff, and i'm thinking okay, so this guy, the king, and he's supposed to be a picture of God the Father, and he has seven wise men, and it just so. Uh, lays out in the Bible that there are seven spirits of God. And so, if you have your Bible with me, and let's go look at them, let's go over to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 11. In Isaiah chapter 11, we're going to see that there are seven manifestations of the Spirit in verses 1 and 2. So, let's look at those. So, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. So, who's the Jesse here? Israel. Or... Specifically, it's a person. David's father. father. Okay, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. Of course, now when we studied Ruth, Ruth was the great-great-grandmother of David. So she's in this line here. So one of her sons, her first son was... Obadiah, does that sound alright? Um, it's not in my notes, I'm just thinking. And then the next, the one that she has with Boaz, sounds like, if I remember right, it was Obadiah. Obadiah's son was Jesse. Jesse. Okay, same Jesse. It says, and uh, a rod out of the stem of Jesse and a branch, now what's, what's interesting about the word branch, It's capitalized. capitalized. Who are we talking about here? Branch. We're talking about a name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the branch. Okay. I have have somewhere in my Bible I have a list of names for Christ. Branch is one of them. One of his names is called. Get this. Star. What? Star. I'm like, interesting. But anyway, "...and a branch shall grow out of his roots, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord." And shall make him a quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes. Neither shall reprove after the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor. And reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth. And wish the breath of his lips shall he and with the breadth of his lips shall he slay the wicked. Again, that's Revelation nineteen fifteen. So we have here a seven spirits of God listed in this passage. We have number one, the Spirit of Jehovah, the Lord, the Creator, the all existing one. We have the Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of understanding, the Spirit of Counsel, the Spirit of might, the Spirit of knowledge, and the Spirit of the fear of the Lord. All of these existing and whatnot. Now, how they all tie in, I don't know, but I know there's seven. So in the back of my mind, I'm connecting seven somehow loosely with this king, Asarius, that has seven people that really co-rule with him. Even though he's top dog, he's ruling with these seven guys. All right, so... Again, I just throw that in, what you do with it, okay? Uh, Back to Esther. And so back to Esther, and let's look at verse 13, because it says here, and we're going to wrap it up kind of with this. It says, let's see if I got the right passage here. Then the king said to the wise men, again, where are we at? We're in we're in Persia which is basically Babylon and remember when Christ was born where did the wise men come from the east how did they know where to go and all that daniel who knows maybe maybe some of these wise men was the same group with daniel it says then the king said to the wise men which knew the times For so is the king's manner toward all that knew law and judgment. So that's a big word there, that knew the times. We started out in those days, but here's a reference to the times. So number one, those times it's talking about, number one, are the times that they're living in at the time. But there is also as a reference to prophecy in the last times. Okay, so it has a dual purpose there. So turn over in your Bible to Ezekiel chapter twelve. Try to tie some of this up, Ezekiel twelve and verse twenty seven. It says, Son of man, hold they of the house of Israel, say, behold, they of the house of Israel say, the vision that he seeth is for many days to come and he prophesieth of the times that are far off. So again, the times that are far off. So uh, again, reference to future. Turn over to Daniel. Daniel. The book of Daniel, chapter two. Daniel two twenty-one. In fact. In fact, it's back up to verse twenty and it says, Daniel answereth and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are His. And He changes the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. So, Daniel's using the same word, the times here. So, if you're taking notes, let me just give you a few more to jot down. We won't look at all of them. Uh, one place you'll see this is in Luke chapter 21 and verse 24. Luke chapter 21 and verse 24. And the next place we're going to see it is in Acts chapter 1 and verse 7. So I'm going to actually turn there. There's a few places in the Acts and I'll just kind of nail it all together. And maybe I'm beating this... Bush, I don't know. But we're talking about the times. Knowing the times. Acts 1-7 says, and he's, in fact, us back up to 6 to get to context. And when they therefore were come together, they asked of him saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Because at that point, they're thinking Christ is going to step in right then and restore the kingdom. That, that two thousand year period is not even in, in their radar, okay? It's not anybody's radar. Verse seven. And he said to them, Jesus, he says, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but you shall receive power. And then it goes on. So now, skip over to Acts three, nineteen. Acts chapter three, verse nineteen says, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Again, Old Testament. When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Again, Old Testament, second coming reference there. And then look at Acts 3.21. In fact, was that what I was looking at? Yeah. Yeah three hundred nineteen three to three twenty one and then turn over one more place first Thessalonians chapter five and verse one I'm sorry first Thessalonians five one says Paul's speaking here, but he says, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief and then a night. Again, a reference to the Rapture. And he described that all through chapter four, if you really want to get it all nailed down. Okay. So the times that we see in the book of Esther are again a, not only are taking place then it's a picture of what's going on, but what's going on there is, is a picture of what's going to be coming during the tribulation and on into the millennium. Uh, the times are basically from the rapture through the millennium and it just happens to be the material that we're covering in the book of Esther. Okay. So it's interesting. So we'll continue to find more information and things out. So if you're paying attention today, how do you study the Bible? How do you put things together? By comparing Scripture with Scripture. And I'm not giving you anything you probably already know, but when you see certain places when you see certain numbers when you see certain colors when you see things described certain ways and when you just start putting in the back of your mind so where else have i seen this in scripture and what is that taking place at that point and is that somehow pointing to where, what we're studying in the book that whatever you may be in which you today we're in Esther every
1: one of them to ever get the whole picture right but you can't just with one thing and you're missing the rest of it
0: we've we've got a picture up here that's paint by by numbers is what we have and every time God will give you a little something it helps paint a little picture mm-hmm. in that main picture and the more we put together the more we're going to realize it okay so that's why it's you know I don't have a monopoly on this in fact I'm probably way down at the bottom I'm just showing you what I'm seeing. And so I'm probably not putting it together a good way. But if it helps you pick a few pieces here and there, Mm -hmm. which is helping me to pick a few pieces here and there, it helps my faith realize, man, this, this whole book just fits together. And the more I study it, the more I look at it, the longer I live, the more I get put together. And I don't want to take that for granted. I want to learn what I can. So hopefully you guys have that same mentality
2: we were in Daniel, I noticed I put some notes in there from a class with M. Daniel with the And the Medes and Persians were silver. I'm talking about some silver in here, the rings and different things. So I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but it just reminded me of that. Whenever, you
0: know, it, it, it all adds together. To so if we realize that, you know, we have an incredible book and God wants to show us that, but we're going to have to dig it out to find it. So okay, let's pray and we'll get out of here. Father in heaven, we do thank you for your word. We just think you about how exhaustive your word is, but how, how true it is and how you have you have things there, Lord, that that are there for us to know, but yet we have to search it out. We have to search out the matter, Lord, and yet, Lord, you desire that fellowship when we search out your word, Lord and so we, we thank you for that. We thank you for the relationship that we have through Christ Jesus and through your word, Lord. And I just pray that we would not take this for granted, that we would uh, read our Bible, that we would study it. And Lord, I just pray that we would not only know it, but we'd be able to use it in our life to live the life You want us to live. So I pray for that for our group today, our class. Pray for everyone that's not here. Bring them back safely next week. And I pray, Lord, You'd give us a great week this week. And in Christ's name, Amen. Do
1: you know what time Dayton's services
0: are? I don't know, but I'll find out.